Hi, I'm Darren Peppard. Welcome to the Leaning into Leadership podcast, the podcast dedicated to today's hardworking leader. Join me every Sunday for leadership insight, inspiration, and a little pep talk to keep you rolling down your road to awesome. Hey everybody, welcome into episode 118 of the Leaning Into Leadership podcast, a special midweek release for the month of January. And I'm going to be honest with you, this is a really special episode. I know I say that every time that I do a midweek release, but this particular episode is something I've been really excited about for quite some time and honestly have been working to make this happen for well over a year. Now, It it doesn't seem like something that should be overly complicated, but the truth is I started having a conversation with a friend of mine, Dominic Armano, who is an elementary principal out on Long Island in New York, a little over a year ago about possibly doing a live show together. And you know, the truth is it's difficult to do a live show, especially when you're talking about doing a live show with a principal. You know, people's schedules just don't jive. And then we decided to make it even more complicated and add in one more person, our buddy, Todd Bloomer, who is a high school principal in San Antonio, Texas. Now, if you've ever been a high school principal, you know there's no such thing as a free evening in your life. So Dom, Todd, and I have been going back and forth over the last year trying to figure out just exactly how we're going to make this happen. So we sat down recently and recorded an episode together, and we are releasing that for you today. We're also releasing the video edition of this episode out on YouTube, on LinkedIn, and on the Road to Awesome Facebook page. So unique things here. Number one, we're combining the perspective of an elementary principal who is an early career principal, a high school principal who is a veteran, And then, of course, my perspective as not only a high school principal, but also as a superintendent in a small rural district. So we're just going to tackle some of the issues in education that are pressing on us right now. We're going to talk about a few other things and whatever comes to our mind and just have a little bit of fun together. Folks, again, it's a special episode. It's a lot of fun. I hope you enjoy it. Dial in, folks. Get comfortable. Grab the popcorn. And uh, just enjoy this really fun midweek edition of Leaning Into Leadership. I'll catch you on the other side. This podcast is a proud member of the Teach Better Podcast Network. Better today, better tomorrow, and the podcast to get you there. Explore more podcasts at www.teachbetterpodcastnetwork.com. Now let's get on to the episode. All right, so I got to say this. I am really excited about this episode, and this is really going to be the first in a series of episodes that we will be doing, hopefully, every month for the foreseeable future. Today on the Leaning Into Leadership podcast, I'm joined by two of my friends, two of my colleagues, two absolutely phenomenal school-level leaders, Dominic Armano and Todd Bloomer. Todd, Dom, welcome into the show, man. I'm good to see you guys. Hey, good to see you, DP. Yeah, it's good to see you. Thank you for uh, for having us here. It's going to be awesome. Yeah, this is going to be a lot of fun. And so, folks, here's essentially what, what this episode with this series is going to be all about. We talk about leadership 
all the time here on the podcast. And I want to be able to ensure that we're supporting leaders in the day-to-day, not just in the grand scheme of leadership, but also what are some of those day-to-day things that you're dealing with, whether that's you know an operational challenge, it's an instructional leadership challenge. It could be so many different things. So once a month, Dom, Todd, and I are going to come together and we're going to answer your questions. We're going to talk about some of those things that are kind of the pressing issues right now in educational leadership. Very strategic with choosing Todd and Dominic to be the two who join me on a regular basis here on the show. And and I'll be very transparent about this. Number one, yes, they are both authors here at Road to Awesome. Both have books that are be coming out. Hopefully both of those books uh, become a reality in the year 2024. But also, Dominic, of course, is an elementary level principal. Todd is a secondary level principal, specifically a high school principal. And, you know, obviously my experience is at the high school level. So I want to make sure that we have different perspectives in terms of what's happening out there in education right now. So before we dive into the questions, before we start to talk a little bit about some of those things, Dom and Todd, I'd like to have you guys maybe just tell a little bit more about yourselves. Um, I'm talking more than I want to. I want to have you guys talk a little bit. Dom, I'm going to go to you first and just share with the listeners who the heck Dom Armano is. <laughs> well, I'm still trying to figure that out. Um, but uh, no, I think I think in a nutshell, um, you know, I am, uh, well, first I'll start by this. Um, my name is Dominic Armano. I am a elementary school principal out on Long Island in New York. Um, it's actually my fourth year uh, as a principal, but the first one in this district that I'm in. Uh, I am uh, a father of two. Um, I have a daughter who's five, a son that's two years old. Uh, My building, the levels that I lead are grades pre-K through five. So it is elementary, but it is a vast uh, age range and group there. Uh, And just, I guess, in a nutshell, I'm just passionate about school culture and climate. Um, And I believe that if you have a positive school culture and you make school fun, that the students will want to be there. And ultimately, they're more successful because they're excited to come to school every single day. So that's uh, that's pretty much who I am in a nutshell. I love that. And, and you know, what's 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 really interesting, um, you know, you've you've been already in two different settings as an elementary school principal, um, but you also bring very much that that urban area, you know, right there, you know, New York City, Long Island, um, that type of, of experience. So uh, I really I, I think that's a great piece uh, that you're bringing to the table as well. Todd, how about you? This is my 28th year in education. I'm the principal of a uh, large uh, suburban high school in San Antonio, Texas, Winston Churchill High School. It's got about 2,500 students. I have about 225 staff members that are uh, come to work each day. Uh, I like to say it's kind of like running a small town. Um, you know, I've been a middle school and a high school principal. Uh, I have five children. All five of my children have attended um, uh, my school, which makes it very unique. And when I'm talking to parents and talking to community members, uh, I am a parent and I, I am a community member and it makes uh, discussions, um, you know, you'll have to edit this out a little bit. I'm sorry there, DP. Uh, it makes uh, conversations with parents um, a, a little easier because I want the same thing they want when, we're, when I'm a community member uh, for what we have. So I'm excited to be here this morning. Um, you know, I'm looking forward to uh, connecting. This is, this is an awesome opportunity. Um, and I'm just really looking forward to, to, to where this goes for us. 
Yeah, absolutely, man. And so I got I got to ask. Um, you know, I was my daughter's high school principal. So uh, you were you were a high school principal for multiple kids. Did it get mm-hmm. easier? I mean, I, I know, like from the first day, it was just awkward, and then it was just normal. Um, what was it? What was it like? Was the experience different with each of them? You know, it, it, it was the first time. It was it was a little awkward. Um, and then by the, the, the fourth and fifth child, which are twins, it was easy. I would walk in the cafeteria, and they wouldn't even acknowledge me at times, and, and their friends would. And I would make my way to my children through their friends. Uh, like I knew fourth grade lunch where one twin sat. I knew sixth grade lunch where another twin sat. And I went every day to check in with them. And oftentimes, and Darren, I think you know this as a high school principal, oftentimes you know your schedule is just so crazy uh, that you may not see your children at home. And the only time I got to see my children at times was at school. And that was the most bizarre thing. So I would linger over there with my kids, talk about what lunch we had, talk about what they needed, talk about their schoolwork, um, and just really have that that moment uh, that I was able to steal as a dad uh, right there as the principal of their school. Um, And it's been different because this year I'm an empty nester. And so they're all out of the house. And so fourth period lunch and sixth period lunch is totally different because my children aren't there. And so it just makes it a, a different, um, a, a different environment. And, and, I, and I miss seeing my kids in lunch. As crazy as that sounds, I miss going by and seeing what they're, what you know, who they're talking with and who they're hanging out with. So it did get easier. But but you know, I, I would go back in time if I could to have them all with me in one lunch, uh, all five of my kids. I think that would be pretty awesome. Man, no kidding. That would be really cool. Um, you know, I I think I did see you know my daughter at lunch periodically. Um, it was more the, you know, the, the time in the hallway, the passing periods. Um, we were talking before we hit record um, about uh, your, your high school dance team is heading to Florida for, for nationals. My daughter was a, was a high school dancer. And my office, like, became the high school dance team unofficial locker room. I, like, you know, most of their stuff got piled up in my office. Uh, for for quite some time, which which honestly was kind of cool too. Um, but they did have to learn; they couldn't just walk in if the door was closed. If I was in a meeting or something, you know, you got to be got to be smart about that. But uh, definitely a, an experience worth worth cherishing. And I'm sure Dom, that's going to be something that eventually, you know, you're going to have your kids come through uh, in your <laughs> elementary school, and and it'll be something that I know you'll absolutely treasure too. Oh yeah, that'd be awesome. <laughs> It's it's so weird, man. I I don't want to linger on this too long, but you know, I I go back. This Todd has just been making me think about that time, you know, with Liz being there as as her principal, and uh, you know, we we did go from those those awkward moments early on to just you know moments that you just cherished in the hallway, and and honestly, you, know, you mentioned her friends, uh, the friends of your kids. Uh, it was very similar with uh, with Liz. You know, she she was at first. She's like, what do I call you? You know, do I, do I call you dad? Do I call you, you know, Mr. Peppered? I mean, <laughs> what, what do I do? And I mean, this is a kid who had run around the hallways of that school since she was six years old, you know? Um, but, uh, one of the best things that ever happened was her best friend, uh, a girl named Brooklyn. Brooklyn said, Liz, I'm going to call him dad. You call him whatever you want, but I'm going to call him dad. And so for that period of time, when her and her friends were there, I, I I was not dad just to one. I was dad to a lot, which I think makes makes the high school principal job like one of the greatest jobs ever. So, but I could riff on that for hours, guys. I would say, Dom, if you have an opportunity to bring your kids to your school, it is something you'll never regret. Um, the the 
driving to school with the kids, <laughs> picking up breakfast some mornings, uh, listening to songs on the radio. Um, you know, those are the memories that, that as you get older, you, you think back to, you wish you still had. And I will never regret any moment that my kiddo was with me uh, at school. And, and, you know, there's opportunities for kids to, you know, your children to hide in a large campus like mine, nine buildings and 40 acres. And there's periods I didn't see them at all. But those moments that I wanted to see them, I could track them down just to say hi. Or as Darren said, just a, a glance in the hallway, you know, hey, kiddo, what's going on in the hallway was 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 very special. You guys are making me jealous here. I kind of wish I had that because right now my daughter, I mean, she gets a huge kick out of the fact that I'm a principal. Like she'll be like wait, so you're a principal and you do this and you do that? Um, yeah, I mean, it, that I mean, it sounds amazing. I would love to have her there every day just to see, like, what I do. And also just see the difference between, like, daddy at home and, like, principal, mm -hmm. you know, like, daddy the principal because I'm, I, I'm, like, a big – I'm the goofball dad. Like, I'm the mm -hmm. one that will, like, probably push too far and then she'll start crying, you know? <laughs> so uh, – but yeah, no, you guys make me jealous. <laughs> hey, I, I will share as we talked, you know, just about leadership. You know, one of the things I kind of fumbled over in my intro, as parents come to you and talk to you about the school and teachers and they come talk to you about, you know, they shop your school. Should, should I come here? And you're able to stop and say, you know, my own children attend here. This is where, you know, my pride and joy are. And when you're able to say that, like that just speaks volumes to what you have. And, and, and when you start hiring teachers, you think about, is this teacher going to be good enough for my children? Is this teacher going to be good enough for all children? When you talk about school safety, I mean, you're talking about protecting your own. And when you're able to say that to other parents, you know, like, you know, if the school wasn't safe, my own children wouldn't be here. If the school wasn't academically strong, my own children wouldn't be here. And honestly, that has become my selling point as I talk to parents about why kids should come to, to Churchill High School is, you know what, I, I looked around, my kids could have went any school, and this is where my children went. I just think it speaks volumes uh, to the school. I, I really do. It's, it's definitely a powerful element. Uh, I remember you know, those freshman orientation meetings, right? You know, you'd invite the parents and you'd have those rising freshmen coming in. And one of the questions I would always ask is, you know, parents, just really quick, raise your hand if this is your first high school student. You know, and usually it's, you know, 50, 60, 70% of the people in the audience are like, yeah, this is, this is my first time through. And the year that my daughter was a freshman, I raised my hand and I said, me too. I'm with you on this. And, you know, there is definitely something that uh, it, it changes the way that you're viewed in the community when your kids are a part of the school in your community. And I think it's, it's definitely a powerful element. And, and I'm sure, you know, Todd, for, for Churchill High School, it's a great selling point that the principal, all five of his kids went here. They're, you know, they're out having wonderful lives. They're doing incredible things. And it's a testament to that school and to that staff. So, you know, that's really, really cool, man. I, I love it. We, we could riff on this thing for, for quite some time. This is a great, great topic. Not one we planned, but that's okay. That's what happens here on the show. I love these organic conversations. That's really what it's, what it's supposed to be all about. But, but I do want to get to a few of the questions that I had submitted. Um, I, I ask a few people, you know, hey, this is what we're going to start doing. Folks, if you have questions, this is my first time. I'm going to do this multiple times throughout this episode. I'm soliciting for questions. If there's something that you're interested in, if you're, there's something that's maybe a burning topic for you, email, DM, 
send us a text, whatever, any of the three of us, just reach out and we'll try to get your, your question answered on next month's uh, episode of the three of us coming together. We'll have to come up with a cool name for this. I mean, it's the Leaning Into Leadership podcast, but we'll have to come up with like, you know, like a subtitle, something cool, you know, that, that goes with that, you know, some kind of, I don't know, leader's mastermind type of thing. But uh, <laughs> but anyway, I, I was able to uh, to collect a few questions uh, that, that I think are really good and very timely, especially as we're just now into this brand new year, 2024. Staff is back. You know, everybody's already into that long, long grind. You guys know what I'm talking about, right? Yep. Like from the time you come back at Christmas until whatever your first break is, it may not even be until spring break, right? I mean, you just have this long grind, right? So I think this is a great time for us to take on some of these questions. And the way we'll do this, guys, we're going to do this kind of round robin. Um, I will read the question. I'll throw it to one of you first, but then all three of us are going to talk a little bit about this and just have a conversation around it. So this first question, Todd, I'm going to go to you first with this with this question. But with the beginning of the new year, what are some successful strategies for leaders to get the best out of their students and out of their staff? Yeah, excellent. It's a great question. Um, you know, it's a great time as, as New Year's, um, you know, is, is upon us and as we're getting into the second semester. And Darren, we don't have a break until March, until spring break. So we do have a, a gauntlet that we're going to run. And I think one of the things that, that a great leader can do uh, to really get the best out of students and, and staff is to reflect on what went well, you know, and, and acknowledge what went well. Because there are lots of things that are going well in, in public schools across the country and specifically at Winston Churchill High School. And so in our our first faculty meeting back uh, in January, we, that's how we started. We discussed that, you know, turn with your neighbor and let's just talk what went well, what went well for you personally, what went well for you as a department, what went well for you as, 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 as a, as a, a school. And let's continue to do more of that. Like that's, that's, that's not rocket science. It's just great leadership right there. If, if it worked, let's keep doing it. And then we talk about, hey, you know, what, what, what didn't work? What can we reset? Because I think it's a great time second semester to reset expectations. You know, we talked at the beginning of the year about uh, clear is kind. We stole a Brene Brown kind of quote. And we talked about clarity. And we talk long and hard about students shouldn't have to read teachers' minds about what's expected when they walk into classrooms. Teachers shouldn't have to read principals' minds when they walk into a school or faculty meetings or PLCs or department meetings. So let's let's reset those expectations the first week of school. Let's reset what students are expected to do when they come into class. Let's reset how we transition from one activity to another. Let's reset how we prepare for exams. Let's reset how we transition off campus, before campus, at lunch, all those kind of things. So reset, reteach for, for kind of what we want. And then I think as a leader, as a leadership team, we have a motto of, of visibility, positivity, and trust. And we want to make sure that we are, as leaders, uh, checking in with our teachers every day. You know, I have a, a, a burning desire in me to visit every teacher every day. And with nine campuses, and, and or sorry, nine buildings, and 40 acres, and 200-plus staff members, I'm not able to get into every staff member's classroom every day. But the desire is to try to go and say hello. It's not an observation. It's just checking in to see how people are doing. And I try to encourage and push my staff and my leadership team to do the same thing. So being out, being visible... Uh, being positive with with what we're doing, I think those three things right there really can help uh, kind of crystallize you to have a, a successful second semester. I think that's great stuff right there, um, Dom. Build on that a little bit, man. What are, what are some strategies that you're leaning into? 
So I think, like I said, I think that is amazing. I, I love the fact that you come together in January, you know, and just sit with your faculty and say, hey, listen, let's talk about some of the things that went well, personally, your department, your school, and then how you build on that. I think one of the other things we do is I start every year, um, and the beginning of the year comes September, we start with, we create school-wide goals and initiatives that we want to accomplish, you know, this year. Um, in the new building that I'm in, I was actually tasked with developing a new mission and vision for the school, which is is is, is a lot. And, and at first, when that was an expectation that was given to me, I didn't really necessarily think I could do that. Um, but I also feel like at this time of the year, coming back into the new year, we need to revisit those missions, the visions, the goals. Um, and then, you know, kind of like what you said, just kind of reset them, right? So this is what we came out to be, you know, if it was parent communication, or if it was, um, you know, working on interdisciplinary units of study or whatever it is, let's take a minute to look at that to recharge to to regroup, see what we're going to be doing moving forward, uh, whether we need to change it, or if, if, if we're on track for meeting that goal. Uh, and I think the other thing is, again, just continuously building on your staff involvement. And I think that's a big piece. I think especially around this time of the year, when we are heading into this long stretch before a break, people will get tired, right? They're exhausted, they're tired, especially coming off the holidays. You know, sometimes they talk about those January blues or that slump in January. Um, and I think it's important to kind of remember and try to make people feel that, you know, school or work is not this, this, downtime, not this blue time, you know, make it excited, make it fun, uh, get their input, you know, maybe uh, do some um, exciting things or maybe plan some school-wide events uh, that are heading into this long stretch so that it doesn't seem so long, you know, just kind of, uh, again, you know, have a little fun with it, have a little fun with life. Yeah, I think the more the more you can do to engage your staff in this, those human type of experiences so so they don't get so bogged down in you know, here's where I'm at in this particular part of the curriculum, or here's what I'm seeing in terms of, you know, where kids are on an assessment level or whatever the case may be. I mean, they definitely need to do that work. There's no doubt about it. But keeping them engaged as human beings is just is just such a key type of thing. You know, it, typically for, for me, one of my favorite go-tos this time of year was to do the macaroni and cheese cook-off or, or, you know, pick whatever you want. But usually mac and cheese was like our thing because, number one, everybody loves mac and cheese. And if you do it in February, you're after Quitter's Day. You know, you know that's that second Friday in January where everybody's New Year's resolutions fall apart. If you do it in February, then, you know, everybody is like, okay, I got to eat mac and cheese. I got to try mac and cheese. And so, you know, a PD day or something like that or just in the staff lounge, you know, let's, you know, Everybody bring your favorite mac and cheese. We'll, you know, we'll do a blind vote on it and, I don't know, we'll do a $50 gift card or something to the winner or something. But just, just something, right, to engage them and get them yep. talking about stuff that's not school. Yeah, it's such a tough time at now, and, and you, you have to do something like that. You know, it's like you know, how many of us are heading into midterms, right? And then right around the corner, at least, you know, up in New York, we have the New York State assessments that are, you know, in early spring and – you get caught in that rut, you know, so that that adding that mac and cheese uh, cook off or a spirit week or a staff on staff volleyball game or, you know, something that just gets people talking. I mean, that's that that's really where I'm at right now at this time of year. So. 
Yeah, I think I think that's a huge deal. And I, I want to go back to something Todd said too. Um, that clarity, uh, not a big surprise to anybody who listens to the show that I would go right to right to clarity, but that's really important. And reinforcing, you know, reminding, bringing back up those expectations, that's just such a key element. You know, we, we can't just tell them once and expect that they're going to do what we said back on August 13th or, you know, September 1st or whatever your first day with your staff was this year. They don't remember what you said. I, I, I know that's heartbreaking, leaders. It's heartbreaking <laughs> that they don't remember what you said, but they don't. All right. Hell, you don't remember what you said. So don't expect them to. So going back and reinforcing those expectations are important. But I also think that going back and revisiting your goals. You know, I like Todd how you talked about, you know, what went well, what what maybe isn't going quite so well, but also jumping up on the balcony and saying, you know what, we had some goals that we talked about to start the year. I as a leader had some goals to start with at the beginning of the year. How am I doing? What's the temperature? Because I can't wait until May to find out did I make it. I gotta check in to see where I'm at. So maybe maybe just go a little bit more on that, Todd. Um, I love your analogy of, uh, you know, balcony leadership and you talk about it, you know, quite a bit. Um, you know, you got to in, in, inspect what you inspect, what you expect, uh, as far as what, what, what you have. And so really coming back to just, you know, where, who are we as a staff? What do we believe in? And then how are we going to accomplish that mission? And you talk about, we can't wait till May when we have our state assessments. We have to check in almost on a daily basis, whether that be um, me checking in uh, just to see how people are doing or whether that is, uh, you know, midterm assessments or map assessments or something that we have. And so really reflecting upon how we're doing as a leader and not being afraid um, to have someone say, you know what, we're not doing really well. Or you know what, Bloomer, you're not doing really well at what you're doing. You know, and, and one of the things that living in a community um, has allowed me to is, um, you know, those impromptu grocery store conversations with parents. And that, 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 you know, is just beneficial. My kids hate it when they go grocery shopping with me, but that's the most authentic feedback that you can get from someone is someone on Saturday morning at nine o'clock when they say, you know what, things aren't going well in this class, or you know what, your communication is, is poor. And, and while they don't mean to cut me down, you know, it's just feedback that's authentic for what I do because I value all of these things. And if I don't ask, I'm going to think I'm doing the greatest job in the whole wide world. And so one of the things I think like a leader, it's our job is to ask, how are things going? Those irreplaceable teachers, when you stop with those doorway conversations, you know, how do you think the faculty meeting went? You know, how do you think the, the, the small breakout went? You know, those people are, are, are awesome at what they do and their feedback is so key. I talk a lot to my staff about voice. You know, how do you seek voice in what's going on? And the, the group that we need to seek voice in oftentimes that we don't, and I'm, I'm, we're able to do it, Darren, a little bit more probably than Dom is, is students. Like all, all too often we, 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 we do to students. We don't ask students for feedback. And there's so many, there's so much great wisdom that we can get from a 14 year old to an 18 year old that can say to us, Hey, you know what? Why the heck are we doing this? Why do we dismiss this way? Or why, why wasn't I notified in an email about what was going on? And it's so, so important to understand that, you know, there's three keys to, you know, there's three groups that we have to seek voice from teachers, parents, and the third group we often don't, um, you know, seek is, is voice from is students. And so I think as we reflect on our leadership, we need to ask those questions. How are things going? What would we, you know, what would we do? And so how are we going from there? And so I, th I think that's, I think that's key is seeking voice 
on your, and then being able to accept whatever, whatever you hear. And then not being upset by it, early leaders, we become upset by that feedback, but reflecting on it, could it be true? Holy cow, it could be true. And I got, I got to fix that because I'm the leader of this campus. And they were brave enough to come to me to say, hey, this isn't working. I care about the school and I want it to be the best. And so here's my feedback. And if I say, oh, you're, you're, no, that's dumb. You're, you know, that's, that's terrible feedback. They'll never come to me again. And so you have to create that environment where people come to you, even when it's difficult to hear. And, you know, if you follow through on that, I mean, if you actually listen, if you are brave enough, as you said, to take that feedback, that just really grows trust. That's where that real true trust begins to become a reality between the community and the school. If you're that person who who talks, you know, like like you said, Todd, that you know, oh, you're crazy, or oh, no, that's not happening, or I'm just going to be blind, you know, and and just you know, tunnel vision on. Here's what I think is happening. That's where trust starts to erode, and that's man, that's just such a key element in leadership. I love I love that you talked a little bit more about that. Thanks for that, man. Um, I, I want to jump to our next question, and Dom, I'm going to throw this one to you first, and this is something I think really, really is a pressing deal for right now. Um, as we go into this second half of the school year, what's what's a challenge that you're seeing, whether that's in your state, in your community, in your school, nationwide? Um, and, and what are you doing potentially to prepare your team for that challenge, for how you're going to, to steal words from Todd, be brave and stare down that challenge and, and really get after it? Go ahead, Dom. I think this is a great question, and I think this is like a huge part of our job, right? And and again, <clears throat> those of you both, you know, Todd, you're living it, Darren, you lived it. I mean, be, being a building principal, I think, is, is, is about challenges, right? And I feel like they arise sometimes when we expect them and sometimes when we don't. I think one of the biggest challenges that I'm going to be facing heading into the new year, at least specifically, and, and I'll talk specifically about my school community, is the implementation of all of these goals and these visions and these missions that we've created. So like I said before, you know, um, and, and again, I talk specific, I, not so much about my school community, but again, like the community that I'm working in. Um, and even like the Long Island community, because this is things that are happening across other districts, but we're all tasked with creating goals and missions and visions that we want to accomplish as a school community, right? Um, and a couple years ago, I think there was a huge emphasis on New York State assessments and, and you know, the proficiency range and things like that. But I also think, you know, there was a shift to not focus so much on these New York State assessments, but focus more on individual school goals and district goals. And it's great to come up with a goal, right? And that's what you do collectively as your school community and maybe your school board or your stakeholders, right? From September through around December, you come up with these goals. And that's the fun part, right? Coming up with the goal is the fun part. You know, by June, we're going to do this. We're going to increase parent communication or we're going to focus on small group instruction, Um but then the hard part comes now that you have these goals, now that you've listened to your community, you've listened to your stakeholders, you've created these goals, now you actually have to do something with them, right? And now you have to implement them. And I think it's challenging because, again, to circle back, I guess, to the clarity piece that Todd was talking about before and that Darren, you mentioned, 
is that you have to have clarity in your goals. But I think also part of your goal is establishing the steps of how to achieve it. Um, and those steps might be different, you know, in my world compared to your world or anyone else's world. But I think if you have that clarity and you say, we're going to do X, Y, and Z, and we're going to do this, and we're going to do that. Um, I also think a big piece of that is making sure that everyone feels that their voice is being heard in this. And that is challenging because sometimes not everyone in a community feels like their voice is being heard. And when I mean everyone, I mean everyone. You know, if you're talking about small group instruction and you're talking about having students work in small groups and flexible seating, you're going to need support from your facilities crew because maybe they're going to be helping with bringing different desks in or helping to arrange furniture and things like that. And it's important that their voices are heard as well. So I think a big piece of the challenge now is taking everything that we've created from September through now, implementing it, making sure that there's buy-in and making sure that everyone feels that they have a part of this and everyone feels that they're contributing to the success of the goal and the success of the community. It's going to be a big lift. No question about that. <laughs> and, you know, I, I, I want to go back to something you said. Um, and I think it was in our previous question when you were talking about this development of new mission and vision and being tasked with that and that it, maybe there was a little bit of imposter syndrome that kind of creeped in there. And you're like, um, I don't know how to do this. Um, you know, I, I remember as a, as a superintendent, that was one of the very first things is, hey, we need a strategic plan. And yes. I discovered really quickly in my community that strategic and plan should never be said in the same sentence because like nobody wanted anything to do with that. And we had to come up with a much different way to approach strategic planning without calling it strategic planning. So um, I'm going to be really interested and we're going to keep a keep a little bit of a pulse as we go forward over the next few months just to maybe have you check in with us and let us know how that progress is I playing would... out. <laughs> I would love to do that. And, and I think, you know, Darren, we, we've talked outside of this about my personal journey and, you know, interviewing for this job that I recently got. And imposter syndrome, as much as I, 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 I every day I tell myself, you know, you could do this, you could do this. It's so real. And I think that's a challenge, too, is that, you know, and again, I might just be speaking for me. And if that's the case, I apologize. Or maybe I'm speaking for other people that have dealt with this, but it's very hard for me to take a step back and look at the successes that I've accomplished. And I, I often do that with a lot of my staff, right? Because my staff, my new staff, my old staff, they've done amazing things. And I want to give them the opportunity to take a step back and look at the things that they've done. Because it does eliminate that imposter syndrome. I think we're, we all are, suffer from that at time to time. Like I know for me it was, I can't believe I got this job. I can't believe I'm doing this. I can't believe I'm doing that. And like you struggle with that. We have to train ourselves to take a step back and look at the difference that we're making and look at the successes that we have because oftentimes we don't do that. I just... Dom, you're 100% right. 100% right. I mean, we... Oftentimes, if you know, you get ten emails and, and nine of them are pretty positive. You know, what do we focus on? We focus on on the negative, and that's what we beat ourselves up with. And it just takes time, you know, to really realize, hey, I am doing a pretty good job. And that's not being conceited. That's just realizing that you know what, this is this shouldn't be working. Twenty five hundred kids, two hundred and twenty five adults. You know, like there's numerous reasons that shouldn't be a successful model for, but it is. 
And you know what? We've got a small part in that. And it's okay sometimes to sit back and say, you know, we are doing a pretty good job at that. You know, and and you know what? Dom, you know what? You got the job. You were the best man for the job. And it's okay to say that sometimes to say, you know what? I got picked here and, and this is, you know, this is my calling and stuff. And so, but it is so easy to say, you know, do I belong here? You know, am I as good as, you know, the previous principal and principals and a long line of, of leaders in this district? You know, it makes it very difficult for that. And so it, it's, it's crazy, but it's real. That imposter syndrome is just, it's just real. And it can go day to day. You know, like you feel great on a Thursday and then Friday, you're like, oh, I yeah. need to go wait tables or something. You know, this is hundred percent. Yeah. So, but you know, you know, this is, this is something about us doing this yeah. series together, the three of us that, that I didn't think about, you know, I, I said at the top that I was really strategic with, you know, somebody who is, you know, with doing, you know, the elementary level, somebody who's doing the secondary level, but what I didn't put together and I don't know why is we have somebody who's more of an early career leader in Dom and somebody who is much more of a veteran, I won't say old, veteran leader in Todd. And to hear hear you, Todd, even still talk about those moments when the imposter can still kind of creep its way in as many years into into your principalship as you are, I think is huge. And Dom, what what you're experiencing and what you're working on right now you're not just speaking for you. Yes, most early career leaders are feeling a lot of that exact same crunch. And I'll tell you the same thing I tell so many of them. You know, Don, you sat in the hot seat. Superman did not sit in that hot seat. That was you. And when they called to offer the job, they called Dominic Armano. They didn't call Superman. So you don't need to be Superman. You need to be Dominic Armano because that's who they hired. That's who they wanted. So... It's easy to get lost in that. It's easy to lose sight of, you know, man, I got to be everything to everybody. I mean, I'm the king of this. I'm the king of, of Superman syndrome. Uh, my first year was a just an abject failure because of that. So um, I know you're not doing that uh, near as much as, as, as you're saying. But, uh, uh, but again, we're going to check in on you over, over the next <laughs> few months and just see how this continues to go. And, and I don't know, maybe this, this also becomes you know, Todd providing some blueprint advice on <laughs> how to keep moving forward with, uh, with, with what you're doing. So, so Todd, let's, let's come over to you, um, with, with the same question, you know, what, what, what is the challenge that you're seeing and what are you doing to prepare your team for that particular challenge? You know, um, high school, you know, first focus I would say is accountability. Um, you know, it's become the driving force of, of, of all schools across the country, but, but here in Texas, and we have a lot of assessments in the, in the spring that, that we're gearing up toward. And what I truly hope for is all the hard work and preparation that our teachers have done with the students and the hard work the students have put in uh, shows. You know, that's that scoreboard at the end of the year. And so, uh, you know, accountability is the one thing that we're going to ramp up and focus in on as we're kind of uh, moving through 24 as we're kind of going from there. But one of the other things that I really take great pride in, in, in value in is, you know, preparing a great person to go into the work world. You know, realizing that not every kid has to go to college when they graduate from Churchill, that there are options out there that we need to um, expose kids to and that we need to prepare them for. Um, you know, just about two weeks before break, we took a group of about 25 students that weren't involved in club sports or activities over to our career and technical center uh, to expose them to the uh, welding and, and the HVAC and the construction science uh, and the, electric, the electrical options that they have to expose them to, hey, there are some things that you can uh, focus on 
And you might not have to go to college, but after high school, when you earn one of these industry-based certifications, you know, you can go right to work and make 15, 20, $25 an hour uh, with the eventual goal of one day opening your own place. And so really exposing people to that and really preparing them uh, to be great um, just citizens and people that move into the work world. Like I want to be able to develop uh, an empathetic kid. I want a kid that goes out into the community that wants to make a difference. And, you know, we talk a lot about how, you know, I'll steal the University of Texas, the slogan, what's what start here changes the world. And we want to be able to do that. Like you get a great foundation at Churchill High School. So when you go out into the work world, the career world, the military world, or the college world, you're prepared to be successful. I've seen it from my children who are all in college now and, and had a great foundation that's here. I think another giant focus that, that we need to really talk about and prepare for is, uh, you know, the hiring of, of just great teachers. You know, we've t it's been in every, you know, social media or journal or article that you talk about is, you know, kids aren't going into teaching uh, as professions. And so I think one of our jobs as high school people is to encourage um, students to think about going into education. And every opportunity I get to talk to kids, I talk to them about, hey, you know what? You had a great experience here at Churchill High School. How'd you like to come back in four years and work with your favorite teacher, your favorite coach, be my band director, assistant football coach, you know, my math teacher. So I think it's part of our job is to breathe some of that, that, that belief and that life into kids of what they can do. And I think it, it's going to be so imperative that we, you know, I don't know if it's changing the, the way we find teachers or, or what is, but we have to be able to continue to just bring great people into our campus. And I worry uh, as, you know, we get older and people start to say, you know, education has changed and I want to, I want to, I want a new opportunity or I'm going to go into retirement a little bit earlier than I used to. It's so important to be able to find great people to continue that because, you know, Dom, we could do great stuff. Darren, we could do great stuff, but without great teachers in the classroom, that door closes, you know, it's them. That's the magic. It's not us. It's the magic. We just need to be able to hire these people and walk alongside them and support them to do great things. So I think as I look in my, my 2024 Rolodex of what I need to do, we need to make sure we're preparing kids for our accountability. We need to make sure that we're preparing our seniors that are going to graduate to go off and do great things in the world, whether that's military college or that's a, a business or work. And then we need to make sure that we're able to hire and also retain the best teachers. We talk a lot about hiring. We can't lose the great ones that are on our campus right now. And I think that is so key. And that's the part that Dom, me and you have control over on a day-to-day -day basis is making sure that these people feel empowered, making sure they feel respected and making sure they feel valued on our campus because these teachers right now, they're the free agents. They hold the cards. I had a teacher tell me, you know, I want to teach math at Churchill, but I only want to teach geometry. And, you know, five years ago, I would have said, well, you know, do you want a job here or not? And well, now it's like, okay, now you can teach geometry and I'm going to move the geometry teacher somewhere else because I need, I need you to join my campus. And so really, I think one of the biggest things that we have power over as, as current uh, principals right now is making sure that we are, our teachers that we have on our campus feel valued, respected, and feel like they're trusted to do the job. That, that, that I believe is going to be one of the biggest challenges in 24. Um, it's already a challenge, but I'll be honest with you, to me, I like how you approach this. We have to start talking about our profession differently. And I mean, I get it. I, I know that social media is an easy place for people to go and to vent their frustrations. And if you're somebody who's looking for people who are frustrated, that algorithm is going to feed right to you. And that's all you're going to see. But, and, and I don't begrudge, you know, teachers or former teachers who, who go on TikTok and say, you know, hey, here's why I left the profession and now I'm doing this or what, good for them. 
but more of our classroom teachers who are staying, who choose to stay, who continue to do the work, who are thriving in the role, we've got to have more of them really telling that story. And I think as school leaders, that's a big challenge going forward is how do you encourage, how do you engage, how do you challenge your really successful teachers, you know, even even your teachers who are just, you know, really starting to grow. How do you support them in telling that story? Because we were our own worst enemy when it comes to recruitment and retention. You know, it's there's this miles long narrative, right? About, oh, we're underpaid, we're overworked, we're this, we're that. It's, oh, people go into education only so they have their summers off, but they really don't have their summers off, right? I mean, ad nauseum, you you guys can add all of these other things in there too. We've got to talk about our profession in a lot different way. You know, we've just got to find some ways to be more positive and tell the incredible stories, the great things that happen on a daily basis that aren't just simply, you know, some meme that, that people pass around on social media. Can I, can I jump in with something we've done that I feel has been pretty successful this year? You know, we talk about the narrative. What is our narrative? And as we get around holidays, Thanksgiving and Christmas, I always tell folks, you're going to be around people that are not in education. They're business people, they're stay-at-home families, you know, and they're going to ask you, hey, what's it like to be a teacher? Or what's it like to work in public education today? And I challenge you to find that one kid that makes your day. Who is that one kid that when he walks into your class every day, you smile because that kid is here, or they make you laugh, or they work hard, or they've overcome such obstacles that that you're just so stinking proud of them that you want to share. And when they look at you with that little sly smile because they think public education is failing or schools aren't what they were, that's the story that I need you to tell. You need to talk about little Todd Bloomer, who, you know what, when he first got to school, he couldn't do it. Now, look, he's going off to college or he's going off to, you know, he's going to own his own business one day. And if we tell those stories, that helps change the narrative because you're 100% right. If we go and say, oh, you know what, kids are bad or teachers aren't listening or parents are yelling, you know, that's always been the case. But if we talk about the narrative of that one student and you personalize that student and you tell that story and you smile that person's going to go back and say well you know what at churchill high school i talked to a teacher and they they kept raving about this great c-tech program that they have or the band or the orchestra or the dance team and that's the narrative that they're telling that's the narrative that's going to be told in that telephone game three and four times down the road and so you're absolutely right. We have to be the driver of the narrative, and we have to be the one to be the champion. And as the principal, we need to be the one that talks about it, the flautest and the first. And then we need to be able to say to those teachers, this is what I need you to do. At the dining room table, talk about <clears throat> little Dom. Tell his story. And and, and it's not going to change the world, but you know what? It's going to change those individual conversations. You know, you took the words right out of my mouth, Todd. Like we, change, we were talking before about the positive. I was, that's what I was thinking about. I was thinking about telling the story of the kids because everything else changes, you know, for the most part, right? Like you have your, you're always going to have your parents. You're always going to have your standards. You're always going to have that bureaucracy, right? But the only thing that's constant is the kids, right? And their positives and the things that they do, that's what we need to talk more about. And like, like you were saying before, I could talk for hours about telling your narrative. And for those people that may or not, may or may not have seen my social media, that's all I do is I promote the positives, I promote the kids, I tell the story because that's what we're there to do. You know, I, I'm, I'm a firm believer in the principal being the champion of the building. And that's, that's how you do that. 
it's an absolutely critical piece, right? I mean, that's like one of the most important roles is be the champion of your organization. And, and there's so many different ways that you go about doing that. There's not like a specific outline. If you do this, you'll be successful. You've got to be authentic. You've got to tell the true story of your school. Each of you are perfect examples. You have very unique schools, very unique campuses and very unique kids. But the common theme is you got to tell those stories. And the more you share that stuff, folks, the more people are going to buy in and believe the work that you're doing, the more your staff is going to continue to fall in love or fall back in love with what they do. And the more impact you're ultimately going to make on kids. Fellas, this has been a really great episode. I really appreciate the conversation today. Um, listeners, I hope you took like Man, there's so many gold nuggets of leadership that, that both Dom and Todd have dropped along the way here. I hope you were able to take a few of those away and actually go take those and put them into your practice to help you be a little bit more successful as a leader, be a little bit more inspired as a leader, and to allow you to really lean into that leadership role that you have. Guys, until next time, thank you so much for joining me here on Leaning Into Leadership. Well, I hope you enjoyed this first collaboration for Dom and Todd and myself. Uh, we're going to continue to do this each and every month. And folks, if you have some questions, if you have some thoughts, if you have like a topic you would love the three of us to attack, please reach out, shoot me an email at darren at roadtoawesome.net, or just shoot one of the three of us a direct message on social media. Um, all three of our handles are down in the show notes. Make sure that you reach out to us. Um, we're going to have a lot of fun keeping doing this. We're going to enjoy ourselves, and hopefully you're going to have uh, a lot of fun and find some gold nuggets of leadership in there as well. So thank you so much, and we'll see you next time on the Leaning Into Leadership podcast. Thank you for listening to the Leaning Into Leadership podcast, brought to you by Road to Awesome. Don't forget, click subscribe give a review, and share this with somebody who might also enjoy leaning into leadership.